Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to a very special episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, I'm Alex Newman. I'm here. I'm really excited about this. Um, unfortunately, as we need to start the episode, just to let everybody know kind of what's going on. Hobbs and Taya could not make it tonight, unfortunately. Um, however, we have a, a very wonderful guest. Um, before I forget, before I introduce that guest and before I introduce the topic, I want to give a shout out to the Grinding Coffee Company, um, who has been our sponsor for a long time. They are wonderful, make great coffee. As I say a lot at the beginning when I am the one who has to give this promo, I do not drink a lot of coffee. Well, I drink no coffee. So I, this is, this is I can't speak from experience, but I know Hobbs loves their coffee. He's a big coffee drinker. He makes coffee ice cream and he does all sorts of stuff and uses words like cold brew and, and all sorts of things. And he, he loves the Granny Coffee Company's okay. coffee for that, but also I, I can say from a sta- from my standpoint, I really love that the support that they give us and other um, people in the gaming community. The uh, Granny Coffee Company is a minority-owned LGBTQ-ran coffee company that likes to support gamers and partner with gamers, and they've been sponsoring, working with us for years now. Um, particularly when we have charity events, they're always jumping in and and donating stuff and participate, you know, and really helping us to uh, with our mental health charities and we do stuff during pride month and, and some other stuff throughout. And they're always, they've been a wonderful partner for years. So we want, always want to shout them out. And then, so that set aside now or that taken care of, cause that's very important. And I tend to forget it. I can introduce the topic. So people who've been listening to the show for a while might be aware that I have really been, I have been very specifically intentionally checking out from the magic story. There's been some stuff going on. Um, lately, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second because I don't want my guests to have to continue staying silent for too long. But so I brought on Reinhardt, who's a wonderful guest. He's been on a lot. He's been involved with the story. He's actually written some of the story we're going to be talking about here because what we're going to be doing tonight is Reinhardt's going to walk me through the story that I've missed. And we're going to hit some high notes. We're going to hit some low notes, probably some things he wants to highlight. I'm going to ask questions. I'm hopefully going to walk out of here with a reading list of some stuff that I'm going to catch up on and honestly some things that I might avoid for my own reasons that I've been kind of avoiding the story but I'm really excited about this Reinhard welcome hello thanks for having me I am super excited to take you on this grand tour of the late latest Phyrexia arc and uh, it'll be it'll be a fun Interesting experience for me too. Uh, I, um, as uh, as you alluded to, I have been magic. I guess a writer for magic for a couple of years, and uh, a couple of my more notable entries actually happened during this Phyrexia arc. One was the present day stories. Uh, so that's five stories during the. Brothers War, um, Brothers War set, and then one other story, uh, a side story featuring Tezzeret in Phyrexia All Will Be One. I'm not going to pretend that I don't have a bias towards stuff that I've written, but I'm very, very excited as well to feature, you know, stories written by my erstwhile compatriots, um, like to to a writer i think that they've they're all wonderful wonderful writers and have really graced us with 
like just really cool stories, sometimes very harrowing stories. But I think by and large, it's been just such a cool experience to be part of this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I am so excited to, to get to go through this finally. And I was, I was a little bummed out when I realized that you had written some story and we were still at a point where I wasn't really comfortable reading the story. And I'm like, Oh no, he wrote all this story and I can't read any of it. So a lot of that I, I would be happy to go back and, and get to, but so just to put some more context in this before, before we dive in, just so everyone's kind of aware of where I'm at and kind of where we're the starting point for us. So gosh, what was it a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now with neon dynasty Kamigawa. So at the end of that storyline, you had the conversion of, of Tamiyo, the, the completion of Tamiyo. Um, and that particular story beat hit a lot of people hard. Well, not just me, but I, I know that it caused a lot of waves in the community. And I was saying at the time, and I, I, I've maintained like that, that I, I want to be very, very specific and, and very open, not open, but I want to be, I want it to be very plain. I am not saying anything about these, this story was wrong or bad it but for me it was difficult and uncomfortable and it, in a way that i couldn't engage with um which i mean to some degree says that it, it was definitely effective like it because that was the point of that storyline and i'm assuming some of the stories that followed um were were trying to evoke a reaction like that it, we're trying to evoke some amount of of I don't want to say necessarily a horror genre, capital H horror, but definitely some of that emotion that the that that genre elicits usually. And it, it hit like it actually did for me. I had a very hard time with that. Just for myself, the the, the particular storyline of characters, not just sort of slow corruption or something like Ert High didn't really bother me in the original. Like he was a, there were some seeds of that and there's some other stuff going on, but particularly how it was handled with Tamiyo where a character is flipped forcibly against their will and their, their will is subverted to work against the, the very ideals that they stood for and the people that they stood with and loved and to work for the force that flipped them if that makes sense like that particular story beat is very difficult for me it it, it elicits very visceral <laughs> reactions that i am not comfortable feeling that sort of honestly aggression and and sort of that level of emotion that i have nowhere to direct it's just a story and honestly like i said a story that's not even bad it's doing something very effectively but unfortunately, like there's an entire genre that does things like this that I tend to avoid because of this and that coming into magic. And for me, the difficulty wasn't just that type of story, but that it was that it was at the end of a set that didn't really connect back into this thing, like the Phyrexians. I stopped talking around it. So the whole point of it wasn't just that this is happening, but that this is happening in the background and nobody knows about it and nobody can do anything about it. And it's going to continue happening. And you don't know how long it's going to be strung along until there's an actual resolution to it. And part of why we're coming, part of why I was ready to sit down and do this now is because with uh, March of the Machines, I know, I don't know any specifics at all, but I know that they are, the storyline is coming to a form of resolution and so that sort of Damocles isn't hanging over me anymore. And I also know that there's what the uh, aftermath is that the thing that's coming up? Aftermath, right? That's kind of an epilogue type 
of event thing. Yeah, and 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 it was funny. I realized that that's happening. The story for that's coming out the week leading into MagicCon Minneapolis that I'm going to be at. So I'm like, that's going to be quite prevalent there. And also, like um, we've mentioned on the last episode, but I'll say again, Goblin Lore is doing a panel, y'all. We know when it, it's, it's happening. It's uh, stuff was announced today as we're recording, so or yesterday, so we can say our panels on Sunday morning talking about mental health and and planeswalkers and stuff because it's may so that makes it's mental health awareness month it worked well for us and we're really excited about it but uh knowing all that was leading up to this a big magic event that i'm going to be at and all this i was like well i should really sit down and and catch up on this and it, it was just a good time and and i'm glad you had the time reinhardt to to join me here and and walk through it so yeah yeah and so before we begin uh you know this is many sets, many stories. And mm-hmm. so a- as we're going to explain, we, as I <laughs> am going to explain, you know, I, by, by necessity of time and, and everyone's patience, I'll probably alight over several things just, just for clarity, just to get, you know, keep things rolling. Yeah. Uh, definitely. If Alex has a question, for sure ask it yep yep and i'll say like in some ways this is for me but also it's for listeners but also we're the two sitting here so it's mostly going to just be focused on what we're talking about more specifically with these things of course some stuff's going to be missed before we get going and i i assume from the context of what i've heard about this i I assume this would be something you would cover anyway but Mm -hmm. because hobbs couldn't make it i need to say for his sake you you better do squee justice. Okay, uh, I was, was, <laughs> I, was, I was planning to. <laughs> yeah, I assumed you would. And and from what Hobbs has said about the story, because he's like, oh, I really want you to read this, and I and I just asked him because he's you know a good friend like like yourself, and so I trusted his opinion. I'm like, do you think I can read this right now with with kind of where I'm at with the story? And he's like, no, no, you can't. I'm like, okay, then I will wait. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's but I, it's kind of folded in with everything as as you go along. More and more of the side stories really get wrapped up in the main story. So that okay. was a he was correct on that score. Okay, cool. So I guess we pick things up right Actually, at the end of Kamigawa. Is that correct? Yes. And if you don't mind, can we just do a quick rundown of which sets? Came All right. From that so so right after Kamigawa actually comes Streets of Nukapena which is not officially part of that Phyrexian arc, but okay. it, it, it's important because it reintroduces Elspeth. Okay. And and it's kind of, and this, I, I'm sorry to just cut you off yep, immediately no after I ask you a question, but this is also <laughs> kind of part of why I stepped back too, because I knew Kamigawa wasn't going to be part of this Phyrexian arc. New Capenna didn't seem like it was going to be, even though there might be some story in the background that was mm-hmm. going to connect. And then I was like, after that, I knew we had some Dominaria stuff. So I was like, okay, this could be where it comes back. But not knowing where that end point was, was just like, yeah. I know our next set is not going to be let's resolve Phyrexia or even talk about Phyrexia, probably. Dominaria is where the, the arc really starts. It okay. goes Dominaria United, Brothers War, Phyrexia all will, all will be one, and then March of the Machine with Aftermath. And that's where it ends. Uh, so it's a, it's it's a fair number of sets. Okay, okay. Uh, so I'll begin. So you know what happens at the end of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Yep. 
and not again not to give short shrift to streets of oh, yeah. Penna. it it's it's a really unique set and mm-hmm. act, and and cool really cool cards just super stylish oh yeah i love love the aesthetic stuff of, of right. the stuff that's going on in there right but you know in terms of how it fits into the phyrexian arc there are only a few things you really need to know number 1 elspeth arrives in the streets of Nukapana after clawing her way out of the Therosian underworld, you know, and we didn't really get that story uh, officially. We got it in summary form, but she arrives here and she's kind of, she, she after she was told by a Johnny that this was her homeworld, he had found it. He had found where she's from and she's back and she does not recognize anything. She has no idea what the city is. And so she's exploring it. She's trying to live here. She's trying to understand what's going on. And so she, she goes through the story and her pursuit is, I want to know what the history of this world is. How, how did this happen? And so she does pursue that. Um, she falls afoul of Obnixilis, who is being his crime bossiest <laughs> here. Yep. She also befriends Vivian Reed, who was sent here oh, to, okay. f- I believe, sent here to find her or find. Now I'm not clear. Or to find Tezzeret? Because mm-hmm. Tezzeret and Urbrask are here in okay. Capenna. Uh, Urbrask was sent here to. Or, or is secretly here to research the substance called Halo, which is a mystery of like, what is Halo? It seems to be the key to how Elspeth's plane was able to repel the Phyrexians mm-hmm. that she grew up with. And Tezzeret, he's here ferrying. He has this the planar bridge, and he's able to ferry as as he did in, in Kamigawa, ferry the different Praetors and and Frexian forces all over the multiverse. Um, and so they meet up with Tezzeret and Urbrask, and Urbrask tells them that Elish Norn is planning something huge, and they need to be wary. And Tezzeret saying. He is working for the cause of freedom, whatever that means, and they should trust him. They don't necessarily trust him, but they're left with little choice. Yeah. So at the end, the, um, Elspeth discovers that Halo is actually a byproduct uh, of a union, like a partnership between the demons of the plane and angels who were imprisoned in statues and halo is like this substance that's made from these i guess calcified uh angels if you will at the very end of streets of new capenna the angels have been released from their prison and they're they're free to protect the people of new capenna again and elspeth and vivian leave after talking once more with with Urbras, they they leave to find Teferi. Now, right before Dominar United, there were a couple of stories that are actually very important to to the, this whole storyline. One is called A Garden of Flesh, 
And that is a story, really the first story to feature Elish Nor is a real character. Um, and that's that's an important one to read. Uh, it's Elish Norn basically being being uh, prodded by Ashiok because Ashiok's having fun with her. It's oh. it's a really interesting story. And the other story is called Note for a Stranger, which is like this really cute, fun, bubbly story of uh, budding love between Sahili and Huatli. I think you'd really get a kick out of this one. That that one I actually read. Oh, great. Awesome. That I actually read, because that, that's right. Because that was around the time they did the, the Pride Secret layer, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. And so and that I, was one that was expressly for the Pride Secret layer. Yes. And I saw that it was disconnected from sets and it wasn't part of this thing. So I actually did read that one. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, the thing is, well, it's connected in the Yeah, it's connected in the way that you get to know these characters more, especially Sakili, because yeah. her part in this is a big one. Yeah, I mean, and there's, there's, I should disconnected is is maybe not the best. Right, it's not, right. it's not officially bound to yeah, the, any of the, the four sets. The events, the events themselves don't necessarily spill in it. It's, it's the whole like people talk about filler things and sometimes go a little, little overboard. And it's like there's things that are really important just to establish character that don't necessarily move the plot and make world, make places feel real. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because it's like these characters have a life outside of the specific plot of the specific arc that we're dealing with right now. I love it. That's, that's important. That's so cool. I mean, like, yeah. you know what? It's a, This is a multiverse. There's room for all these stories. We yeah. want all these stories. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah, okay. that That's cool. Yep, that one. Yeah. So I'd forgotten about that. I'm glad you brought yeah. it up, though, because it's, yeah. And, you know, feel free to reread it. Uh, anyway, now we get to Dominari United. And, and before I go on again, like... Mm-hmm. I, I see all the writers of all 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 these magic writers as compatriots on the journey. And I I do not want to give any of them short shrift. I celebrate all their efforts. It's so cool to be part of this. But again, for brevity's sake, yeah. I think I'm gonna try to just summarize what happens. What I want to do is highlight one main story and one side story. Yes, even my own. I will only select one, even though it's going to be dreadfully hard. <laughs> and to to highlight so that, you know, you, you can, if you're going to read one story per, per set for the main and for the side, these are probably the ones that I think you'll get a kick out of. So for Dominaria United, Dominaria United really features Karn as kind of the through character. And it, it, it starts with him. In the caves of Koilos, in the heart of the lion's den, mm-hmm. doing research, he he still, if you remember from Dominaria 2018, mm-hmm. he had he has the Silex. Yep. Ur, uh, ostensibly Urza's original Silex. He's doing research on it. Yep. And it's brought him to the caves of Koilos, where he discovers all these apparatuses that, that have been set up. And unfortunately, apparently, the the Phyrexians are here, including mm. Shieldred. And Shieldred's kind of the mm. big bad of Dominaria United. At the end of the first chapter, he uh, Karn gets um, Karn gets buried under a mountain, basically. And it isn't until weeks later when Ajani finds him, and Ajani tells him, like, uh, Joyra sent me to find you because he she lost contact with you. And mm-hmm. so Ajani saves him and he brings Karn back to, I believe it's Argivia. And, uh, oh no, ben- Banal, 
Benalia. It's Benalia. And uh, because they're, they're like peace treaties going on there. There's like normal life is going on. No one knows that the Phyrexians are here. Karn is like, there are Phyrexians here. And <laughs> no, no one believes him. <laughs> and, and <laughs> the, the kick in the pants is the Phyrexians, like, like some, there are some, sleeper agents so this is the reintroduction really of of the sleeper agents who really haven't been seen since mm, planeswalker like the style Mm. of like hidden sleeper agent really hasn't been seen since planeswalker the the novel and uh, so once they've been revealed to our core group which is includes Karn, Joda, Jaya, and Teferi, they then they start investigating. They they try to root out like what's going on here. Like, you know, at the same time, we have the Silex, we have to figure out how to defend this this plane. Mm-hmm. But they're being pursued. They're being pursued by these Phyrexians, and they're only staying like a few steps ahead of them. The the feature story I would like to to point out in in Dominary United is this really cool episode called the Lock Tower, and the Lock Tower is this kind of a little bit claustrophobic, but very very awesomely written take on kind of if you've seen the thing, it it's like this Ooh. kind of where a kind of story where Karn is trying to figure out who he can trust because he's not sure who is a sleeper agent. It turns out were there sleeper agents in their midst? Yes. None of our, none of our crew though. Not, none of not to fairy Joda or Jaya spoilers. Oh yeah. And we should yeah. say spoilers yeah. for everything. Everything's a spoiler in this episode. Yeah. So they're able to, to, to get away and, and they decide, okay, we got to get to the mana rig. Joyers at the mana rig. We, we need to, regroup there and figure out what's happening. Meanwhile, Joda goes off to Yavamaya to 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 uh aid in the the defense efforts here because now the Phyrexians are starting to make attacks. Ajani is pursuing some Phyrexians and is and disappears and uh and everyone regroups at in the fifth episode at the manor rig where um, they're, they're mounting an amazing like defense, the, you know, the golden Argosy, which is the, the Keldon like war warship appears. <laughs> okay. And uh, they're able to repel the, the Frexian attack uh, using, by blowing up the manor rig basically, but not before, Ajani reveals himself to be a sleeper agent and he grabs the Silex from Jaya Ballard, who had been guarding it, tosses her off the mana rig and he destroys the Silex. It's a really Ooh. bummer ending. Mm-hmm. Shieldred gets away. Ajani gets away. And our heroes are, are really left uh, reeling. You know, mm-hmm. Jaya's dead. Yep. Every no one knows what they're going to do, and that's how we end Dominary United. 
I, I do want to bring up one side story, which which my my fellow Strixhaven uh, writer uh, Marcus Terrell Smith he wrote the this just incredible short story called Faith in Birds, and it is starring Nyambi as a diplomat, and it's just it's it doesn't have any action in it. There there are not really any Phyrexians in it. Mm-hmm. But it's about how how do you treat people even in the the midst of war, even if you're in you're existentially in danger, like how do you treat people? And and it's about Nyambi standing up for people who can't stand up for themselves. It's an awesome, awesome story. Okay. And so from there, we move to Brothers War. So Brothers War is an interesting interesting set because the main story is actually the flashback. The main story is, and and what's depicted in the cards is is basically was it Urza, is it Urza Saga that was Brothers War originally? I mean, antiquities was As anti- antiquities slash some of Urza Saga. Okay. Basically. Yeah. So it, it Antiquities was kind of a set they made, and I think they didn't have a lot of actual story then, and sort of retrofit it in a little bit later. Yes, which yeah. is where I think the Urza Saga block helps to to flesh that out, somewhere. right? Yeah. And so we return to the Brothers' War, and uh, the the contemporary, um, like the the Brothers' War era story, is is the flagship story, and Perfect. the side stories are actually where our present day planeswalkers are featured. So I wrote all the side stories and Miguel Lopez wrote all the flashback stories. Okay. And um, they are, I don't want to, I don't want to sidetrack too much, but have have we missed squee? Oh, we have missed in Dominari United. He is in Dominari United. Okay. And I mean, how much do you want spoiled? (laughs) Oh, that's a fair point. Cause I do want to read that story. It is awesome. Okay. It is. It is. It gonna, is. I'm just going to write that down. It is hilarious. It's poignant. It's everything you want in a squeeze story. Okay. Abs- absolutely. Everything you want. I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. That one. That I one hope this. So, I hope that's Hobbs perfect. is okay with that. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> and I think that's a well-reasoned explanation for it. We're not just missing squee. We are very specifically mentioning. This is the squeeest squeeze story you could ever squee. Uh, it's excellent. I can't wait to he squee is the feature the player. He is right in the center. It's excellent. squee one hundred and ten percent through and through. Sweet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've, written that, I've written that down as a bonus story that I need to read from Dominic. I mean, uh, and I'll be plainly <laughs> honest. He this is this is more squee than you could bring out of the entire invasion block. To be very very wow. honest. Okay. It's like yeah. concentrated squee. It's like, yeah. 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 Which it's is, a, that's good. Cause, and this is, this is like one of the few things I know about the story, but I can't remember how Hobbes worded it. So I'm going to word it in a way that I imagine Hobbes would have worded it. <laughs> but I, I believe he said that the, the brothers, or not the brother, the Dominari United story was justice for squee after he was totally skipped in Dominaria 2018. He was basically skipped in 2018. Yeah. But so 
We yep. saw him a little bit. Did, did we not see him he a little a bit? Card. I don't think he had any story. I think he was in zero story. Wow. Okay. All right. So we okay. move on to the Brothers War. Yep. And I have a really hard time selecting which of the which of the kind of contemporary which of the Brothers War era stories mm-hmm. are, are are awesome. I mean, I will choose the story number five, episode five, as cruel as necessary, because it directly interfaces with the the present day cast. Um, okay. So Brothers War is about Teferi's jaunts into the past to find the exact moment in which Urza detonates the Silex. So uh, how long has it been since you've read the, the, the novel Brothers War? I've never actually read the Brothers War. Okay. Well, actually, I okay. read the Thrawn, but I never read the Brothers War. So you'll get a little bit, I mean, you'll, you know the gist of it. But yeah. and you'll get like really interesting insight from this particular, this particular block story or this particular set story, because you do see throughout the the past, like the really what it is is the the aftermath. You'll see the aftermath of the Brothers' War. What happens when Kayla, who is Urza's wife, basically? takes up the mantle of leadership and it just tries to keep her kingdom together. And it's a, it's a very, very cool, but you also see stories as Teferi skips back for back and forth in time. You see stories from the front and they're brutal. They're very, very amazing writing. I mean, M- Miguel is just incredible. He's just an incredible writer. You, f- you feel it's so visceral. And, uh, but, you know, in terms of our, again, our, the Frexian arc, the one story that really interfaces with it is number five, as cruel as necessary. The side stories are the, the main, main, uh, our, our Planeswalker, uh, mm-hmm. crew. that that's where they're featured. And so I, I think of them, I mean, again, I like them all of them. I would choose chapter four, which is the Elspeth story. So each one of these stories features a different character. And I'll tell you, like, af- a month after the the incident at the Manor Rig, at the end of Dominary United, finds our crew relocated because there are spies everywhere on Shiv, which is where the Manor Rig was located. There were spies everywhere. So Joda had the funny idea that, hey, we should find a locale that no one knows about. I know of one. And so Teferi said, okay, let's go. And Joda didn't tell him that it was going to be Urza's tower. From, <laughs> <laughs> Of course, Joda did that. Of course. Of course. And um, so they're hiding out in Urza's tower. And Sahili has been recruited to recreate Urza's time machine, or as she calls it, the temporal anchor, but okay. with a catch. Urza's time machine was uh, a failure, mostly because it tried to send someone physically back. And if you remember time streams, Urza sent Karn back in time and broke time on yes. Talaria, which 
contributed to uh, Time Spiral. Yes. So Teferi was like, let's not do that again. Yeah. So let's, let's be very careful when we walk right. through the steps of Urza, who is who is horrible. It's been a long time since I've gotten to say that on, on the show because we haven't talked about the story too much. But yeah, yeah, it's. Well, this this set yeah. is going to be the set is going to be interesting <laughs> because I mean, as here's an here's a strange aside. I, I, I and I, I do want to say this. I so I experienced the artifact cycle, which is the first four books where Urza is featured, mm-hmm. like in a row, like in a concentrated like two month span. I poured over these books and. Number one, like they're really good. They're really, really good. And number two, I was really surprised. I was surprised at how I was surprised at how sympathetic Urza really was, and how human he like, like he. I I was shocked because he's a terrible person, but not any more terrible than many other people. You know, of his contemporaries, and yeah. he. And he definitely was not, at least when he first sparked. One, yeah, one yeah, of the, one of the preparations I did uh, before I I actually wrote the Brothers War was actually to read everything I could. So I started with Arena, and I'm glad I did, even though has Arena has nothing to do with Urza, and it is because in Arena you get the full explanation of what it was like to be an old walker which is hell. It is a a never-ending strife. Everyone is out to get you 24-7, 365 days a year, nonstop. So as an old walker, you will die if you're not the most horrible person. Survival means that you, you, if you were alive, you did horrible things. Yeah. Or you did extreme things like uh, Old Grotha. Is that the Homeland's plane yes. that was like sealed off? Yes. Stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we learn in Planeswalker that Urza's fur, like Urza wandered the cosmos, like unaware. He didn't know what the heck he was doing. Mm-hmm. And so a, a fellow Planeswalker took him under her wing only to grow jealous of him and try to kill him. You know, just just because, just because. Yep. And so that's the lesson he learned. Anyway, anyway, so Sahili is making the, this temporal anchor. Meanwhile, we get uh, we shift you to Tezzeret again, who is working on New Phyrexia. You get a little bit more insight into him, why he's working for these Phyrexians after working for Nicole Bolas, and it's because the the planar portal, the planar gate that is in his chest is killing him. Mm-hmm. And he, he has reason that the only way he can survive is by a full body transplantation into a dark steel body, okay. which is a, the mo- the hardest, uh, at least that we know of the hardest material in the multiverse. Yep. So that's why he's doing that. Uh, meanwhile, while Teferi is doing his thing, Elspeth, and what was it? Elspeth Ren. Who? Ren? Ren of Ren and Seven. Ren and Six. Oh, Ren. Yes. Yeah, okay. Ren. Uh, uh, yep. so, yeah. So Elspeth, Ren, Nissa, and Joda, four people mm-hmm. have to repel 
two Phyrexian onslaughts to the tower to buy to ferry the time. And they actually are able to do this mostly by begging Gaia, who is the world soul of Dominaria to help. Yeah. 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 Remember the last time these, these guys were here, it wasn't good. Yeah. And I do have to say that Gaia was pretty pissed and she was like, who the hell are you? You brought (laughs) these people, you brought these Phyrexians back. I hate you. But she was eventually convinced. Okay. So the Brothers' War set ends with Teferi actually finding the moment that the Silex was detonated on Argoth. And okay. he's able to talk to Urza. And so he he basically makes he he like makes an envelope of time around that moment. And he breaks Urza out of that moment. And Urza's like, what the heck is going on? I don't know what's going on. And you know. And this, and this is, I want to say, this is why Teferi is the hero of Dominaria, because he doesn't approach Urza as a know-it-all. He doesn't approach Urza as, you know, you hateful being. He's very kind to him, because Ur- Teferi is in the same boat. He finds that now that he's in charge of this defense all those pressures, everything riding on him, he feels it all. And yeah. and it really, in this moment, to be able to still treat this person that you kind of hated your entire life with kindness is shows yeah. his character. And so he asks Urza, how the hell do you make the Silex work? We have it. We have a replica. The Phyrexians are back. You've, 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 dedicated your entire life to defeating them and you failed we need the secret and hers is like i have no idea i don't (laughs) i don't know i just took this bowl and you know and and uh herkel her i remember what herkel told me about about this mystic power called magic and and like like see you know uh using the power of the land and so he, what he he said he just poured this bowl and poured everything he had into it basically he he willed he he poured everything all his will all his spirit all his soul and it would have annihilated him too if he didn't actually spark as a planeswalker so it the the silex requires a person to initiate this whatever magical enchantment is on it and that's what teferi finds out before he is suddenly whisked away to some far off land so he doesn't actually reappear back in urza's tower they've run out of time everyone regroups the temporal anchor is destroyed it it overloaded at that same time jace and uh nahiri show up to Urza's tower and they say okay we know you've been trying to do trying to find out certain in a piece of information we got no more time we need everyone who can who can go to come with us to New Phyrexia we are taking on Elish Norn there's no more time the 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 Mirins the uh are are making an assault on the center of the the center of the plane where we believe the the you know their version of Kaldheim's world tree has been recreated, and if we if we don't eliminate it, we don't 
we don't even want to imagine what will happen. Um, so that's how the Brothers War set ends. So the, with a whole bunch of people showing up, we have like we have uh, the Wanderer, we have Kaito, we have Luca, we have Jace Nahiri, uh, Vraska. Jeez, uh, I don't know who else, and and all these other people. And they're they're really it's the Nine Titans all over again. They're assaulting New Phyrexia. So, so they the don't next have mechs this time, or do they have mech armor this time? They do not have mech armor okay. this time. I knew I forgot something. <laughs> Says, said no one. Yeah, said said no one. Yeah, I, they just didn't tell Sahelia about it because I right. bet she could have fabricated right. the mech armor. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, the last time we did this, this is right. what Urza did. So so Chandra Ren stay back. They're the backup. Okay. In case something bad happens, they're they are to f- try and rescue slash figure out a solution. Mm. And Liliana is supposed to meet them as well, and they're all going to hide on in Dominaria for a while. Uh, Sihili goes back to Kaladesh to uh, to shore up defenses there, and uh, then we're off to Phyrexia. All will be one, which. <laughs> immediately gets off to a bad start because once our planeswalkers try to try to travel to New Phyrexia, they find out that some sort of planar defense has been erected, which screws their telemetry up. They all wind up appearing in all these different places. They're not one group. They're bewildered. And so we really we follow different groups of planeswalkers. They they kind of get decimated. Most of them, like Luca and Nissa, appear um, in Vornclex's realm and kind of just get beaten up uh, and taken. Um, we have uh, Nihiri, who um, who is also there, but she, or who who appears but gets hurt and she gets uh, infected. We have Jace, who is, you know, now he doesn't have a group to to lead. So we really follow everyone as they they get together. Elspeth is there, and she is actually able to meet up with Koth again. We have this this reunion that has been a decade in the making, and Koth joins Koth and Malira join this this kind of uh, pilgrimage to the center of the plane. And it is, it's brutal. They get attacked relentlessly. They lose many of their compatriots. Nahiri, in an epic show of force, drops an entire, I think, like, like, drops an entire Frexian arena onto, like, the the next layer down in the plane. It's crazy. Mm. Vraska gets, uh, is caught, and, and Jace is... Jace really tries to save her, but he is then mortally wounded as well. He's infected. I mean, we have most of our crew infected. And at the end, Jace has the Silex, and he he arrives at the Realm Breaker, which is the, the world tree, the, mm-hmm. the name for the now Phyrexian world tree. And uh, he and Kaya and Tyvar and elspeth see that the the world tree has already initiated 
its move. It's it's already made contact with other planes. It's connected to all sorts of other planes. Mm-hmm. And Kaya and Kaito, uh, as as Jace is charging up, like he's he's gleaned the the understanding to use the Silex from from Kaya, who was kind of Teferi's right hand man going back in time. She was like a Mm. facilitating the spiritual uh his spiritual essence being shunted back and forth in time so she oh, was able to see okay. what he was able to see okay so jay from from kaya he jace learned how to use the silex he's like i'm gonna use it i'm gonna use it i'm gonna use it and kaya and kaito are like wait a second we don't know what it's gonna do like if you de- if you destroy the world tree now Mm-hmm. What's it going to do to our other planet? What what's going to do to Kamigawa? It's going to do to like all these places, all these innocent people. And just like I don't care. We have to do it now. And so they actually try to stop him. So our our planeswalkers are battling each other. And um and of course, you know, Elish Norn is like this is great and then she, you know, she unveils like there's a Johnny working for her. There's Nissa working for her. There's Luca working for her. You know, all these people, you know, uh, uh, taken over or, or subsumed by Frexia. And, and at the end, Elspeth makes a choice. Now, it's not clear. At this point, uh, right where we are, before Aftermath, it is not exactly clear what exactly happens in that moment. And it's written in such a way that you're not sure if this is actually Jace's plan. Mm. But wh- what Elspeth does is she makes a run toward Jace at full speed, impales him on her halo sword, mm. takes the Silex, and disappears. Okay. And she takes it to, uh, I think the text says, uh, a place beyond... She takes it to basically she takes it as far as she can, which is stated to be a place beyond the blind eternities. Okay. So the meditation so, realm. Sorry, I'll be <laughs> here I need to make references to Nicole Bolas in his Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and and there actually are occasionally references to Nicole Bolas in this okay. whole storyline. Any any story with Tesseret, I know because I wrote them, has Nicole <laughs> Bolas information. So if you're ever, if you're ever, uh, if you ever want to know some of the things that he was thinking about as he was formulating his War of the Spark plan, you know, I I kind of noted them there. Jace gets up. He's now like infected in his mind by the the Frexian taint uh, uh, illness. And uh, uh, that the story... Of Frexia, all be all will be one ends with Kaya, Tyvar, and Kaito being held captive by their once friends in New Frexia. So again, a bummer. Yeah, and and Elspeth is nowhere to be seen. So the the stories I would kind of highlight from that. I mean, it's pretty relentless. This this is I I, I would say that this would be the one set where you'd have a little bit of a hard time in ev- every one of these stories uh, mm-hmm. uh, of the main stories because it's like exactly what I think would make you 
yeah. a little bit uncomfortable. I, I do have to say that episode two features the reunion of Koth and Elspeth. So that would be one I would highlight because, I mean, we've we've wanted this since Quest for Karn. So and it's a really cool moment. Okay. The And for the side stories, again, all the side stories are really cool. I do want to f- feature the second side story, which is A Hollow Body, which is about, a f- it's from the point of view of this Phyrexian abomination named Ixhel. It's a, and Ixhel is this brand new character. Very odd. It's written in the second person, which is a really cool choice. Okay. And it's about, it, and it features, it features this Phyrexian somehow finding a separate will away from the collective. It's it's really cool. It's a very interesting story. Okay. Okay, so now comes March of the Machine. Now, I mean, so does everything so far, do you track everything? Are there any questions you have about yeah. things? I don't think so. I mean, and, okay. and I'll say there were bits and pieces as hard as I tried to avoid stuff. Like there, there was a few of these people who I, I knew, you know, were converted and mm-hmm. and so there's some of that stuff i knew and so this is helpful to kind of plug in some of those pieces together because it was all yeah. contextless like knowing how the brothers war story works too because i didn't fully understand how that was working i was like were they going back in time and changing the timeline and things it's okay it's it's good to know kind of what was actually happening there so, yeah yeah, I yeah. They're good to help but I, I i can't actually think of any of this is so I'll, I'll I'll let you know if I think of any. Okay, okay. Just, just so yeah. long, you know. I I sometimes yeah. can get off track with endless uh, mm. side, you know, side thoughts. Ooh. So I just want to make sure that I've been clear enough for you. Yeah, definitely, definitely been clear enough. And this is good. Like the side stuff is great too, and and helpful cool. for for just knowing cool. some of the other little pieces of what's going on. Like like I know. Again, I knew about Nahiri. I also knew that she kind of went. A little wild you know, show of force, as you said, and so it's it's interesting to get a little piece of that from you. Of yeah, show definite show of force. I mean, she she was a badass. She really was, yeah. so. and she knew you know one thing that if you remember, Malira, Malira does have the ability to heal that Phyrexian taint. Yeah. However, it's at the cost of basically being debilitated for a few days, like you're recovering. You know. Nahiri makes a choice to say they need they can't do this without me, and yeah. largely so. I mean, she is she is, I believe, the oldest. Yeah. She's a, technically an old walker. Like she has yeah. more experience and more capability than she's, a lot of the younger planeswalkers. She's so the powerhouse she's, of the group. She's the powerhouse of the and, group. And even with her with her particular power set too, Teferi's really old and powerful. He doesn't have the same just raw explosive power and when you're trying to force your way through a situation like this sometimes just blowing things up is the most helpful tool yeah yeah and so she makes a choice she tells Malira no I need to be able to fight yeah so she forgoes the cure to to stand alongside her allies which is I mean uh, it it's a noble choice yeah so 
Martian the Machine. So Martian the Machine is, I mean, I have to say, like, if if <laughs> mm-hmm. Martian the Machine it has got to be the toughest, the toughest writing task. I mean, oh yeah, what I mean. And, and, and Kira say, Rivera was up. I mean, like she took it on up to this challenge, like amazing, amazing. And and before you dig into to specifics of this set too, this is the one that I'm I'm most likely to read more mm-hmm. of the stories possible because mm-hmm. again, from the the one little piece that I got is it sounds like these these stories are are more sort of a, a, a thinner slice, not a thinner slice. Uh, oh God, I'm going to use a weird game development thing, but like a ver- more of a vertical slice. It sounds like where it's that's a really yeah, and, and sort of resolving that, and then taking this piece, either person or location or something, and then resolving this as opposed to sort of working your way slowly through the whole thing piece by piece, which is how you know, you would tell a normal story. So, a, I think it's it, it, sorry. Is that accurate? Does that fit? I I, I would say that that's a really apt. Okay. Know, metaphor or description for that because okay. she you, you couldn't have so in the format that it's in mm-hmm. you could not have told this particular story any other way yes and the, I, the space yeah, constraints I i'm sure the time constraints like yeah and it's that also would leave you with weird and god to make a a, a weird analogy maybe this isn't a weird analogy this is a this is a writing analogy uh an author for a while, who is my favorite author? I don't know that he's there anymore, but I still read all of his, most of his stuff. But Brandon Sanderson talks about he has lots of big stories and he tells mm-hmm. epic things. But one of the things that he very openly talks about, one of his weaknesses of his early works in particular, and it's a thing he still sort of, I don't say struggles with isn't the right term, but very specifically works at not doing is he has, because he has so many threads and characters in some of his books, it's all sort of leads into, and then like the last 10% is just this ridiculous rush of thing, 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 leading into this conclusion. And he's like, he, I think he nicknamed it like the Sanderson rush or something. <laughs> and, he's like, and it just, it doesn't make a great reading experience at the end of the book. And sometimes that can be good and exciting, but especially with how big the stuff he writes. And so he's talked about trying to find ways to sort of have some, some resolutions and conclusions that maybe aren't the main story, but are sort of side things that happen earlier in the book so that you can kind of space things out. And it's just, I love to get nitty gritty and into the weeds about writing and, and writing theory and ways to, the oh my God. It. And yeah. it's like, yeah, how you and I met at a writing convention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I know you're, I'm in good company here with that. And so for me, it's really interesting and cool and fascinating to hear that you, you have this set where the story is told in a very different structure in a way that really helps facilitate the way the telling of the story that is to be told here. Yeah. And, so. and, you know, I think a lot was made of the side stories as well. So okay. March and on the, the machine really is about this multi planar assault mm-hmm. and defense. Yeah. Which I guess to, again, to continue interrupting you, cause that's what we, we like to no, do. I love it. Tangents, all sorts of tangents that <laughs> to get all back to what the point I was trying to make a while ago is that that's probably, I, so my understanding, and it sounds like this is accurate, is that these stories are not going to kind of leave me hanging, if that makes sense. They're, they're not going to resolve everything, but each story kind of does its thing, hits a conclusion. Each story has a purpose. Okay. Right? Each, okay. Each, each story has a purpose. They don't – it's not necessarily linear, meaning mm-hmm. like 
not every story leads into then properly into the next story. We yeah. are, but we are resolving things. For example, I'll take the first um, first couple of episodes. Let, let's just go episode by episode. The first episode really does resume from where we left off. We we were in New Phyrexia. Ellis Norn is making her plan. Like she explains her plan. She she tells her lieutenants, mm-hmm. "This is what you do." You know, and then you're off. Mm-hmm. Episode two is all right. We we come back to <laughs> we come back to our backup. You know, th- the the three um, planeswalkers who were um, who were kind of def- kind of defeated at the end of Frexia All We One managed to escape. They come back to their backup. You know, Chandra, Liliana, and Ren and they have to formulate a new plan. And mm-hmm. what do we do? Like we, you know, Jace is gone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, they're doing that. And then really then, then we start kind of doing that resolution that we, we, that you talked about. Okay. We, we see, we see the resolution of Tamio's story and that that's definitely one I would want to highlight for you. Mm-hmm. It's uh, episode three, Mother, Son, and Story. And that almost can be read alone, almost. We have the Wanderer and, and I think Kaito taking on, uh, taking on Tamiyo. As, as Tamiyo is leading the, the invasion of Kamigawa, Nashi makes a return to try to plead with his mother. And... Uh, and it ends up that, you know, Tamio had some contingencies of her own that mm-hmm. the met much has long been made of her iron scroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she had several she, several yep. scrolls that did special things, one of which entrapped Emrakul in the moon, right? Yes. Her iron scroll was her backup. Her iron scroll was Tamio's story. Which is really cool. What a cool God. So this is part. This is what part of why Tamio is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. I and love her like storytelling form of magic. Like, and it, that's the gift that she could give back, give to her family at the end. Mm-hmm. Which was unfortunately, like you know, there was no going back for her, and she had to be dispatched. However, she lives on to you know to her family to the people to to the survivors on, on Kamigawa as kind of a living story as and that's that's like really poetic mm-hmm. I, I i like that story a lot and then we we come you know then we kind of flash to different planes and the side stories do this even more but different planes follow different planeswalkers you know Tyvar back on Kaldheim taking on taking on coma I believe a Frexianized coma mm. and then you know on Kaladesh where Sahili and and, and Huatli are actually mounting a defense finally to Kamigawa where Atraxa is actually attacking we, we get that sort of like wide span of you before we Again, go really narrow again, vertical slice. 
Mm-hmm. And now the next movement of the story is is Chandra and Ren and what are they doing? And really what they're doing is they know that the key to the Phyrexians victory is is uh in the realm breaker tree. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna make they're gonna make a, an epic run for it. <laughs> they're they're going to try to use Ren's powers to take over the tree. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Elspeth, right, who is beyond the blind eternities, this is another feature story. It's called Episode 6, The Last to Leave. This is where we we resume with Elspeth, and she's kind of like in this void, or mm-hmm. you know, she's in her own thoughts, and she's able to see all these, all the everything that's going on and you know uh, she eventually is pressed to make a choice what are you going to do and uh and whether or not it is actually the real character i'm not it's it's not altogether sure at least I, i'm not as my reading and i'm not that sure but it could be a metaphor but sarah in the planeswalker mm. appears to her in this in this space beyond spaces and, you know, gives her, tells her like, you have to become what, what you always have been. And Elspeth is able to re-manifest after the Silex basically has blown her up, re-manifest back into the multiverse, but this time as an archangel. (laughs) And because she, she really she was a descendant of the survivors of Sarah's realm, you know, when the Phyrexians blew it up or with Phyrexians kind of took it over. Yeah, and, corrupted it and started to collapse on Urza yeah, was like right. hey, it'd be, you know, a shame if this went to waste. Well, you know, to his credit, he did rescue a whole bunch of people. Absolutely helped evacuate the survivors, and on the way out, he's just like, "And this will power my spaceship." Yeah, why? Yeah, why you know, waste not, want not, right? Waste not, want not. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, huh, you, you gonna finish that plane? You finish that demi plane? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Elspeth comes back, and Elish Elish Norn once she sees Elspeth, kind of freaks out. Because way, 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 way back in that story, A Garden of Flesh, mm-hmm. Ashiok put the fear of Elspeth into oh. her for a lark, <laughs> really for a laugh. <laughs> it's a colossal joke to, I mean, like, Ashiok's yeah. just having a good old time yep. and and put the fear of Elspeth into Elishnor and Elishnor freaks when when she sees Elspeth. And they, they have a fight, but but really... The fight is a distraction because mm-hmm. what's really happening is Chandra is Chandra and, and Ren are making their way to making their way to the the realm breaker tree. And Ren is eventually able to merge with it. And once once she merges with it, she's able to take it over at the cost of her own life. She mm. she basically burns out because she has Ren has like has this fire contained inside her body. It's like this raging, ra- almost interplanar fire. 
Mm. And she's able to use that to take over Realmbreaker. And like, basically, she reaches out through, you know, through the ether and is able to find Teferi. Now, Teferi has been disappeared this whole time. Teferi wound up on Zalfir, which had been basically phased out of the cosmos. Yeah, back going back to invasion. Yeah, going back to invasion. His and his biggest regret. His biggest regret, right? Yeah. And so, Teferi is is contacted, you know, through you know they have a friendship, and so she mm-hmm. finds Teferi and and using Realmbreak, using the, the Frexian's own world tree, is able to have the phased out Zalfir and New Phreaxia switch places. Oh. So what that what what that does is it shunts Nuphorexia and I I suppose the greatest the great majority of Frexians, if not all of them, mm-hmm. that are on Nuphorexia into the Nether Void, you know, the the Nowheresville where yeah. Zalfir once resided, and Zalfir has been wrenched out of there with with a population that has been ready for Yogmoth for yeah. hundreds of years. Yeah. And they're ready to fight. And so they come out, guns are blazing, and they're able to, like, you know, take it home. <laughs> you know? And, 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 oh, uh, that is, that is, it's cool, right? Oh, that is so cool. But I'm laughing because the, the first thing I thought about is, there, there's a handful of these stories, and I, I've I've not read any of them, but the the idea of it just is fascinating to me. the The idea of like a lost battleship. I know that one of them was a friend of mine. It's I believe it's an anime that he watched. So this mm-hmm. like a lost Japanese battleship from World War II that sort of just comes into modern day and doesn't realize the war is over, and and so like tries to continue. And so just that idea that except this time. The war ended, but now a new war with the same foe has begun. And so even though the Zelfirans aren't fighting the same Phyrexians, they're here to fight this, you know, they're here ready to fight. And they see that same enemy and they're ready right. to go. And and they're actually like, like, fits. Right. They're like, we've been ready. We've been preparing for centuries. Now yeah. to them, they've only, they've only, they've only uh, been aware that it's been around 10 years. Oh, but okay. for everyone else to been more than what 300 years and that that also in a very very casual not a casual but a very thin way has a very has a vague similarity to a storyline that you talked about back on the first episode you were on when we were talking about uh magic and sci-fi and you had the idea of a like lost colony of thrawn yeah or yeah metathron Metathron, metathron yeah Never knowing that I would be in this particular situation. Yeah, yeah never knowing that no. you know, sometime after <laughs> that you would actually be writing magic story. At right. Some <laughs> point. But yeah. So, you know, basically that that Ren saves a day at the cost of her own life. Mm-hmm. There is hope. Remember, she's a dryad, and there are seeds that mm-hmm. Tiferi finds and hopes you know in and he plans in the hopes of seeing his friend again or or perhaps a, a progeny of his friend mm-hmm. and uh as for uh Nissa and Ajani they were rescued okay so there have there 
there were some casualties. Yep. So, so, uh, oh, what's his freaking name? God, the, uh, <laughs> the half devil dude. What's his name? Oh, uh, the really? The ter- most terrible planeswalker ever Tybalt. printed. Tybalt. Yes, Tybalt is dead. <laughs> Tybalt is gone. <laughs> okay. Lu- okay. Luca's dead. Lu- Luca got killed. Okay. Uh, he tried to uh, take on Ikoria, and the monsters ate him. <laughs> As okay, that justice. That's perfect. <laughs> Perfectly appropriate. I, you know what? Like, I don't know what this says about me, but I, I and and I think it was because it, I, I thought that story was actually really awesome. Yeah, but the I felt really sorry for him. <laughs> I, you know what? I haven't read that story, and maybe I'll, I'll feel some sympathy for him then. But I did read Django Wexler's book when I first came out, and I don't feel sorry for. I, I don't think I'll feel sorry for him. At least right now, I don't because I okay. read that book, and he was kind of a jackass. I just, I just feel like man, he just got he just got like yeah. the short end of the stick. He, he all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, and in that book, like I get he he, there was some shorts, you know. So he he ends up with a thing and gets up ostracized because of some ability he has. But then, like, he kind of goes off the deep end from there. He doesn't yeah. doesn't yeah. like okay, we're going to we're going to, to to try to do something better. We're going to try to do something constructive. He just kind of boldly charges ahead and and i don't know i think we talked about him some with with michelle when we talked about toxic masculinity i think it fits really well for him in that storyline anyway mm-hmm. the, the original icoria storyline so so tamio does does pass away but she lives mm-hmm. on his story there are many many legendaries that yep. bite the dust in, in mostly in the side stories okay uh, i think Theros was particularly hard hit. But yep. at the end, we are left with a Johnny and Nyssa who, thanks to the efforts of Karn, who who in a in a kind of a poetic turn, he gives up his spark mm. to save both of them with the help of Melira, who has a mortal wound and she she knows she won't recover. Oh. So just like Venser saved him, Karn now saves two other planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. I I believe this means he's no longer a planeswalker, but I it's I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean he and he's had two borrowed sparks in the past. <laughs> Doesn't mean right. he might, I'd find I mean, another one. He might find another one. Who knows? Yeah, he might he might eat some power stones and find a you know. Hey, yeah. Hey, look at that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> arguably, he had three borrowed sparks. One one Urza's, one Glacians, and one Vancers. Mm, Urza's, yes, yes. But who knows? Who I I don't know what the count actually officially is. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of how it is resolved. There are well, there are more things to resolve in aftermath there are tons of things that get left to happen i happen to not know any of them which is kind of cool yeah well yeah and there's there's i i and i I wouldn't be i don't know an hour into the recording like what i'm saying resolutions i don't mean like everything's all done and it's wrapped up like there's obviously consequences and long-reaching things yeah i know uh mark rosewater was saying that the story will change magic forever have we seen that yet do you know what that means yet? There are guesses. So okay. there are guesses. I my guess mm-hmm. 
and again, like any of my guesses is not official. Like mm-hmm. this is purely, you know, out yeah, of my butt. But you're, yeah, you're you've been out of the loop for what's coming out right now. Yeah, right? I, I'm thinking that the the navigation of within or between planes for non planeswalkers is now going to be possible. Okay, I I'm hoping that this is the case because I think it's about time that you know Squee gets his captainship. <laughs> He's put in his dues. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. So, at the end of Invasion Block, we saw Sisse, Tangarth, and Squee sail off in a ship called the Victory. Mm-hmm. We don't know what happened to the Victory. But Squee probably does. Squee does. He's the only one alive at this point. He probably does. And so what I'm saying is that he goes and finds the victory, gets (laughs) it into tip-top shape, finds a crew, and Mm -hmm. sails the multiverse. Let's get some stories with that. (sighs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) That would be sweet. That would be sweet. We don't officially know what those okay. so, wide ranging changes are. That, that's okay. a guess that a lot of people have. That we could have sense. other things like, you know, the nature of sparks, just like, you know, during the mending Changing change. The nature of sparks again. Okay. That yeah, makes sense. Something you, like that. Okay. And, and I haven't been watching. Do we know? Do we even have an idea when? Because I mean, it, it seems aftermath seems like a natural place for that to sort of come out. Maybe when that's all done, it's said and done. But has 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 Morrow or anyone else said kind of said anything else about that? I'm I'm fairly certain that we'll know with aftermath. Ooh. Aftermath does okay. come with some stories. Excuse me, I believe. Yeah. So I think I we'll get that clarification yeah, there. I know there's some story. I don't know how much. I just happen to know because they're they're posting that that week leading mm-hmm. up to uh, MagicCon Minneapolis. So I know there's some story posting that, and it's like 20 cards set or something. It's a weird. It's like 50 or 60 cards and 50, 60 they're, they're like very small packs. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited to see how you actually like, can you yeah. be limited with that? That would be awesome. I'm, <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what, what that turns into or mm-hmm. is, but yeah, that's okay. Cool. But yeah. So that, that was, that was the whole, the whole thing. And it was, it was, it was quite a journey. Yeah. There was a time where, I I did know everything like for several sets. So I like did not talk to anybody. I'm like, I can't, I can't talk about that. Like, you know, if, someone, I know. If, if I, if I was playing in a game shop and someone said something, I like, I was like, okay, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Yeah. And, and I know. And, and like we, we had been talking about doing some stuff and then I'm like, Oh, I know there's some story things coming on and it's like, okay, we'll just, we'll just not worry about it. We'll wait. We'll, and especially with me kind of checking out for the story from the last year or two, it, it at least for me, it helped to kind of just be like, yeah, not going to worry about it. Not going to just kind of let it happen. Yeah. Let's circle back when, when there's a good opportunity. To I'm so eager talk. to see what happens from here on out. I mean, the last time something of this magnitude, I guess the last time something of this magnitude happened, it was, it was time spiral. Mm-hmm. Which, right. Yeah. That was the last major like in universe change to things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some block structure stuff from a me- actual mechanical game sense, but Time Spiral was really the last major, like, metaphysical in-universe 
Right. Shipped. And we had a big break. I, I don't remember what set came directly after the last time Spiral set. Lorwin. It was Lorwin. Lorwin. So something completely different. That's when I like, stopped playing. And that's when Planeswalker showed up was Lorwin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had a trio of sets setting up the three big bads that we have literally just now hit the resolution of. Because then the right. next three sets were the, um, well, the next three blocks, I should say, were, were Zendikar. Mm, yeah. Uh, Alara, I think it was Alara, Zendikar, and then the Mirrodin Besieged, I want to say, right. those three sets, or those three blocks. You know, it was. I think, you know, and if we go back further in time, after invasion block, mm-hmm. we had a hundred year gap, and yeah, and then Odyssey came. Yep, yeah, and that's it's interesting because we talked about the story here and there on the show, and like one of the things I found interesting was you had invasion, which was this huge multi year set, this huge multi year story mm-hmm. that then just ended, and and caused kind of an off ramp, and I think a lot of people, like myself uh, included, kind of checked out of the story, and, and ultimately I I stopped playing the game because that's around when I graduated high school and I didn't mm-hmm. have a built-in group sense. of people to play with every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also just made a natural fit for me to just be like, eh, it's Odyssey, it's new people, it's a new place, I don't know any of it, and just kind of check out from a story standpoint too. Um, and so looking at sort of the history of the progression of how Magic Story is told, they stopped doing that. Um, you get Time Spiral, you get so, so that after after uh, the torment block, so they did two blocks, sort of an uh, Otaria in that area, mm-hmm. um, and then it was like three or four in a row, just on new worlds, because that's where we did Kamigawa for the first time, right? We right. did Mirrodin for the first time, uh, Ravnica for the first time, and then back to Time Spiral. So it's like, okay, we're going home, we're going back to, and, and we're going to tell this story that actually connects, as opposed to these disconnected things. But from that point, it was kind of just like the comic book story telling or, or continuous storytelling where they're like introducing mm-hmm. all these little things and every storyline where it's like, Hey, we're doing this side thing. We're at this magic school. Hey, look at Strixhaven. By the way, there's a Praetor running around for no reason. Don't pay attention. Right, to like the, the seeding of, of yeah. like story plot lines. Yes. And, and so like that was the next almost decade, I mean, depending on kind of how you wanted to find it and, and things changed a little bit here and there. But for the most part, like I said, you had those three major threats that they spent, 15-ish years, um, I, maybe not quite, but it's, uh, definitely through along with a few different, you know, we, we go to Theros for, t- for, for a block that didn't, the f- uh, first time didn't connect to anything, but then Theros gets pulled into stories later mm-hmm. with the Tamio stuff, or not Tamio stuff, with the Elspeth stuff and all, you know, all, all, of, all this. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting. And, and I've kind of been wondering for, for honestly, for a couple of years at this point, as they resolved two of those major arcs, like two years ago, three years ago, we, we were done with War of the Spark first, and then, de- you know, dealt with the the Eldrazi. And then we've kind of been sitting on, you know, the Phyrexians haven't really didn't really do anything for like two years story until this whole arc sort of started mm-hmm. up again. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, are they going to kind of get to the, are they going to try to like redo a re- renewal period of here's big threats? Maybe, but they kind of did and kind of didn't because you get like Obnixilis, but he wasn't like a giant, you know, bolus style. I'm going to do a, or, or Phyrexian style. He was just like kind of a bad dude who they might run into <laughs> somewhere. And then you got like, God, we just talked about him and when he went back to Ikoria and got it, got himself beat up again. So a, a good candidate. And yeah. this is where I, this is where I, I went to the wild speculation territory. Well, that, and I'm boosting myself, which is <laughs> ah, uh, a good candidate is Tezzeret. 
mm. Tesseret at the end yes. of his side story. So uh, in Phyrexia when there's a Tesseret side story where he does indeed get his, he, he gets his Darksteel uh, body mm-hmm. and promptly is able to slither away from, mm. from Jin Kataxia nice. trying to double cross him. Nice. And at the end of that story, he recovers enough of his memory his his memory that had been like wiped away by Jace in the Agents of Artifice novel. He's able to find stumble upon one of his old safe houses that he had set up back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he's able to relocate his his ruined tower where he used to run the infinite consortium mm, and so okay. that is one possibility i mean we do have obnixilis running around and he's always going to be some kind of menace to and, somebody and, and honestly yeah and honestly i don't mind the idea of of something that isn't necessarily planet threatening because that's the thing with all mm-hmm. movies like planet threatening you multiverse threatening sometimes it's nice to have big villains that are smaller scale if that makes sense just like a political conspiracy or something where it's like, this can still cause a lot of issues and create a lot more tension and story sometimes. Cause you're just mm-hmm. like, eh, you're not going to let the, well, here's the fun one. There is one possibility that I think is the most fun. Oh yeah. Uh, we do get, so you, do you know about battle cards? Where, where, have you been yes, keeping yes. up with any of this? I've so, seen, yeah. Vaguely. There's one, there is one battle card that really, uh, perk my interest and it's called Olgratha. An invasion of Olgratha. Yes. Starring <laughs> starring gra- Granny Sengir. Oh. And you know where Granny Sengir is, the mm-hmm. Baron is not far behind. And oh. that would be cool. I love the Baron. <laughs> I mean we we talked about that some and I don't think you were on that. Oh, we should have talked to you to bring you on, talk about when Commander Legends came out and we talked about all the Commander Legends mm. legends. Baron's, you know, Baron Sengir was in that set, and so Hobbs and I talked about that. Okay, we'll have to bring you on sometime to talk about Baron Sengir. Maybe just have an episode literally just about Baron Sengir. Or you know, an episode about like Algratha, which is Ooh. or you know, yeah. some of these some of these battles touch upon planes that really haven't been in the story in ages. Yeah, I mean, Elgrotha, for anyone who is listening and isn't old, that's a set from 94? 95? 95, yeah. When Homelands came out, also widely considered one of the worst sets in Magic's history. Like, really poorly designed. Amazing story. There's just some really incredible flavor in there. And honestly, cool story and, and really, the artwork is awesome. Yeah, artwork is awesome. And some of the mechanics are cool from, like, a Mel standpoint. I think, oh, this is interesting and cool. But the cards were just not tested and balanced well in a mechanical sense compared to other sets around it. And so it was just a weird, a weird set. But yeah, that's cool. That's that's a lot of fun. I, I know I, I have a handful of very lore interested friends like yourself. Ryan Sanio is a actually a, a, a fellow uh, uh, hipsters of the coast uh, person mm-hmm. he writes for them. He also is a big old growth fan, I believe. And so there's a few folks who I've over the last decade or so of being plugged back into magic and being part of the community. Every so often I hear someone like mention, you know, homelands or at Joe who used to be on, on our show too, before he decided to stop playing magic. Like he, he really would like El growth, old growth. I was big into that story. So. 
Oh yeah, that's I mean cool. definitely. That's so cool. I was joking when you said, "Oh, you know what, invasion," and like I was just joking, but that's awesome. No, no, that's it's real. Card. Oh, that's cool. I, and the thing is, like, this is what I like about Magic Story is mm-hmm. that it has a lot of space in it. Uh, yes. Meaning, like, room. Like, There's... I, I think that, man, this is the perfect time if you've, if anyone listening has ever wanted to write. Magic fan fiction. Now's the time. Now's the time. I mean, there's so much space. There's so many. You can you can write limitless fan fiction just about Mar- the March of the Machines, like that set. There's so oh. much, so many awesome tiny stories that can be told. Yeah. Of like just cool all things the, happening. Yeah. All, all the various worlds that were were affected. Like there's so there's battles going on. Every, like genuinely literally everywhere everywhere right and and yeah there's a lot of a, a lot of potential for that that's that's cool so yeah that so that's that's hopefully that that catches you up and yeah. i mean honestly again all these stories all these stories are just are, are worth reading and like you said like the march of the machine itself is probably the set that you will read probably the most stories in, in mm-hmm. it just just because it's kind of the resolution of things yeah yeah that's that's kind of what i was thinking and mm-hmm. and especially then with with um aftermath coming up then that's a set that i'll probably try to read all of that as well once i'm yeah. kind of caught up and to that point yeah but i think i uh, i think like probably there's going to be a cooling off point where things aren't going to be as intense. I mean, those still yes. be really cool, interesting stories, but maybe a smaller scale. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. We get some, we, we get this resolution, we get some aftermath. Maybe we get some other, maybe small, you know, sets doing some, some showing some consequences, showing some recovery, showing some, some of the th- hinting at what's to come. And then it's, you know, some point a little ways down the line, we start you only to build there's a more squee. Oh, know, absolutely. I, hey, you know what? Wizards, if, if Wizards wants to write some stories about Captain Squee and the the victory, I, uh, I, I volunteer myself. <laughs> That'd be excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for, for coming on and talking for so long and, and geeking oh, out thank you story. i mean this is fun and I, I hope i didn't like i hope i didn't bore anyone <laughs> but i i was enjo- i enjoyed it i said I, I can only speak for myself but this this was fantastic I, cool fun i'm glad all right and that's our show for today you can find all the hosts on twitter for now hobbs can be found at hobbs q Tay can be found at Taya transcends and alex can be found at mel underscore chronicler Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lore Pod on Twitter, or email us at goblinlorepodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Ruffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. 
And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.